0: Well, first of all, I'd like to thank Southwest Baptist Church for hosting the Missions Conference uh, this year. What a blessing. And I'll tell you this, at Southwest, I've heard this more than once, people will come to church, and they'll say a comment like, you know, <clears throat> well, in Centralia, we, we, we never got this big in Centralia. We got up to maybe 100 people, and people would say, you know, <clears throat> when we were running about 15, that was too small. When we got to 50 people, that was too big. And it just never satisfied everybody. But when people would say I could never be part of a big church, and I always had to interject and take time to say the size really doesn't matter. And then I would go back and this about my time here at Southwest Baptist Church. I graduated 22 years ago from Heartland, and, man, I just felt at home. And there's about four times as many people in church here than there was in my hometown. And I felt at home. And so... It was wonderful to be a part of a a large church and yet feel just at home. And and then just this missions conference, being invited and being able to be a part of it, be able to represent Hope Children's Home, what a privilege. Um, One of the things I would say, too, uh, that the video just touched on, a a new ministry that we want to kick off, and the the ball's definitely rolling on that, but it's the Bundles of Hope ministry. And Bundles of Hope ministry, there's really, as far as I know, there's nothing else like this. In fact, I took some time when I was in the state of Washington to go by pregnancy centers and talk to people, and they would say the same thing. The directors would say, "This is so simple. Why doesn't anybody? Why hadn't we thought about this before?" Bundles of Hope Ministry, what it, would, what it does and what the goal is, is we have ten acres of land that we acquired some years ago, and so uh, we expanded the forty-five acre campus. Now it's a fifty-five acre campus, and the ten acres that we want to develop, we plan on building homes, cottages, is what we call them. And each cottage would have a uh, cottage parents, mom and dad, that would be living there. And then babies, instead of being aborted, it would be housing for babies that would have otherwise been aborted. And this would be a place where the babies could go and they could be, be raised. And so let me give you a, a, a for instance. Every child that you saw in the, the video tonight, those, those were all children from Hope Children's Ministries, every one of them. One of them um, was a little baby named Colton, Colton just turned one. And... About a month before Colton came to Hope, our director, Dr. Mike Higgins, uh, just uh, as God would lead him, he pulled the trigger and said, We need to start this new ministry, Bundles of Hope. And what we're going to be doing is taking in babies that would otherwise be aborted. At that time, there was really no plan of how that would happen or what that would look like. But it was a month after that, we got a phone call at Hope from a jail, and there was a mom who was imprisoned. And after she was in prison three months into her term, she found out she's actually with child. And so where she was at in the state that she was at, most states would be about the same, that in her situation, it's just going to be a state-funded abortion. But she had heard about Hope Children's Home. The, The jail reached out to us and said, would you be interested if she comes to term, she gives birth, would you take her in, take the baby in? And of course we would. And so Colton now, instead of being aborted, Colton is a year old. And the, what, what's really neat, though, about this, Colton's mom has hope that when she gets out, Amen. she'll be back on her feet. She could get a job, we'll help her get plugged into a church, and she gets to have Colton back. Before, she had the option, really, where she was at was the only option was going to be abortion. She didn't have another option. Most ladies who were with child, number one, she could have the child. That'd be wonderful. Um, she could put the child up for adoption, or she could have that baby aborted. And so what Bundles of Hope is going to do is give a fourth option. And what we have found out that 76, three out of four moms would choose that option right. if they knew it was available. And so to develop this um, ministry and to take those 10 acres and to build the, the houses, the cottages that are there, there's definitely a need um, here in our country. And really, we can service any state um, here in, in, in the United States. We were working with a mom that was in Washington state she was in a similar situation as in Colton's mom, unfortunately. Um, she didn't make the choice that we would like her to make, but nonetheless, the, um, whole Bundles of Hope is, is uh, ready to be kicked off. What we're right on right now is we've got to build a bridge. We've got to get a bridge across and so um, to, get to access the property and develop that. And while we have the funds for that, we're actually waiting on a contractor who's going to build it because bridges aren't cheap, and the, the bridge that has to be built um, was priced out to be $1 million dollars but there's a fella, um, he builds all over America, and he's ready to come build that bridge for $350,000. That's still super expensive, but it's a screaming deal versus a million. The problem with that, though, is that we're kind of waiting on him because he's got to fit us into his time schedule. And so he's all over America building different things. And one of these days, hopefully sooner than later, and that's a big prairie request. Um, so if you would pray about that, once that bridge is built, then we can begin developing that property. We can take in even more. Uh, infants, newborns, that would have otherwise been aborted. And so there's, there's nobody else that's doing this. this is a, it's a, a radical idea. Also with that, let's say this, if you think through the process all the way, maybe if some of you have already been there, what if Colton's mom gets out of jail and she doesn't make right choices? What if she overdoses and she dies? What if she goes back into her old lifestyle? What What if? And if that be the case, then we're also going to be starting an adoption agency. And... Um, I can talk more about this, but i just say it this way, that in Florida we can do this, that um, we can start, a, the adoption agency would be unique in two two ways. One, we would adopt to only Christian homes. The second thing is that we would adopt at cost. And right now the estimated cost would be $4,000. And so that's a radical difference than what the cost of abortion is right now. And if if you've been through the adoption process, chances are you've probably been to uh, the classes that they want you to be in and all those, and it's really bombarded. It's uh, predominantly, it seems, leaning more and more and more uh, to accommodate LGBTQ+, um, and that, that crowd, because that's where they're going to have children, is they must go through adoptions. And so what we plan on doing is to be able to, again, in those two unique ways, make a Christ- adoption available to Christian families only, and then to make the adoption available at cost. And so that's bundles of hope, that's a new initiative, that's a new ministry that we plan on, on kicking off, as well as uh, 54 years, of just being able to celebrate 54 years of um, ministry uh, there taking care of, of kids. And so my family, we just recently moved there, have been able to, the uh, last few months, represent Hope Children's Home in a few churches, I've just, it's captured my heart, my imagination, I've, I've got uh, a great passion for what's being done there, and um, we are having a blast uh, being there at, at uh, Hope Children's Home, um, and so love to invite you to be a part. Uh, come down and um, visit. Um, anytime uh, we're uh, an intern, if you're at Heartland, if you'd uh, be interested in coming down, um, being on staff, Brother Higgins said we, there's, some, there's some very specific things that uh, we'd love to talk to some Heartland students about. And so uh, I'd love to talk to you to, to some more about that. Lord willing, I'll be able to answer some questions tomorrow, too, at the, at the breakfast. But uh, tonight, let's go to Mark chapter number two. How about that? Mark chapter number two. And uh, we're going to be, I'll just read verse 3, 4, and 5. And then I'm going to go back. Um, we'll pray as God's blessing on the reading of his word. And then when you're seated, I'm going to go back o- over the text and just point out a few things I want to draw out Mark in chapter number 2. So, Mark chapter number 2, verse number 3, if you're there tonight, say hallelujah. hallelujah. Very good. Look at verse number 3. Mark chapter 2, verse number 3. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy. Which was born afore. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now look at this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. This is amazing. Father, thank you for the word that you've given to us tonight, our opportunity to dive into this text. And I pray, God, the message, the application behind it would inspire and encourage, convict, and guide as you would see fit. Take the one message preached. And my prayer would be that you would apply it to individual hearts as you would see fit, that you'd be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. We may be seated. Mark chapter number two, um, an astounding story to chew on, but I'm going to go back up at verse number one, and we're going to walk through this tonight. There's some key things I really want you to point out. So here we begin. And it says, and he entered into Capernaum. And who, who's he? Try it again. Let's see. Who is he? Jesus. Jesus. Okay. So Jesus comes to Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. That's interesting. When Jesus gets a crowd together, this is what he does: he preached. So he preached the word unto them. And they, these four men, they, they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy. This man that they're bringing, he's paralyzed. He was born of four. One preacher, he told me this. He confessed, I preached through this text once and. I talked about, went, went on my way and made a, made a point about how this guy was one of four brothers. He was born of four. That's not what he's talking about. <laughs> born of four, B-O-R-N-E, has the idea of bearing, carrying something. So he's born of four. He's being carried by four, four men. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, where Jesus was. And when they had broken it up, They let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there. This is going to get interesting, huh? Certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoned in their hearts. Question for you, where did they reason? In their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies who can forgive sins but God only? That's a good question. Who can forgive sins, but God only? Can a priest forgive sins? Can Pastor Gaddis forgive sins? So who can forgive sins, but God only? Good answer. Amen. Amen. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reason within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? This is amazing because I thought only moms knew how to do this. But Jesus says, hey, I know what you're thinking. I know what's going on. Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and take up thy bed and walk. I'm going to take a time out here for a second because I really want you to see this. He asks a question. He goes, what's going to be easier? Is it easier for me to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or is it easier for me to say, take up your bed and walk? Now, the answer to that is it's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee. Why? Because it demands no physical evidence. If Jesus were to say to the sick of the palsy, like, hey, take up your bed and walk, guess what that demands? It demands physical evidence. So has everybody got that? This is crucial. You got to understand this. So it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. As anybody can say that. And it demands no physical evidence. So Jesus knows what they were thinking. He asked the question, what is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy? Thy sins be forgiven thee? Or to say, I oh, don't know, let's just say this. Arise, take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He says to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, went forth before them all In so much that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, whew, we never saw it on this fashion. We've never seen something like this before. Some of them, maybe they had been at parties where people walked in, but they didn't walk out. This is where the guy, he wasn't walking when he came in and he went walking out the doors. And they're just saying, we've never seen this before. This is absolutely amazing. There's really two quick lessons I've got to touch on before we get into what I really want to talk about tonight. But the first one is this. Aren't you so glad that Jesus still has the ability to forgive sins? I'm so glad that he does. In this text, we can praise the Lord tonight. That Some maybe walked in tonight and you have lived under a heavy load, guilt, self-loathing, regret, but by a humble cry to the Savior tonight, His promise to you, you can be forgiven. Praise his name. Jesus forgives sins. Another, maybe a little more subtle lesson that's really quite astounding is Jesus is God. Because who can forgive sins but God only? And who forgave the sins? In fact, Jesus says, in order to show to you that I have the ability to forgive sins because I'm God, he did just that. He proved that he forgives sins, thus proving he is God. And some of you have co-workers. Well, if you could show me someplace in the Bible where Jesus is God, I'll believe it. Here's one. Here's just one. But the point that I really want to bring out is going to be found to us in verse number five. When Jesus, this is, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee. He saw now. I got to this, and I read through this, and I I was left with this question. To what degree then can my faith and what degree can your faith impact the life of somebody else? Because Jesus saw their faith and touched this life. To what degree can your faith touch the life of somebody else? Here's maybe another way to, to ask a question. Could this account have happened? Could this have happened without these four men? These four men did not have faith in Jesus. Guess what story would not be in our Bibles tonight? These four men, the faith of these four men were needed. To what degree can our faith impact the lives of somebody else? And you, if you've been saved for a while, you've probably chewed on the idea. What did God bring together? Who was it in my life that came at different times and different moments that God used so that I could hear the gospel? so that you could hear the gospel. You probably have chewed on that for a while. I'm really convinced there was a, my mom's aunt and uncle were very instrumental in me hearing the gospel and being saved. But I want to draw the text tonight, elements of an impacting faith. You got to see this uh, tonight. The, the, The idea of faith that impacts others is first of all, it's going to be a faith that loves people. What these four men did, you don't do this lest you love somebody. And it's probably a good reminder for us too that love isn't just a sentiment. It's not just a word that's spoken. Love is always action. For God so loved the world that he gave. Love is always in action. But this can be hard. When God says that the greatest commandments are these, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and thy soul, thy might. there's an aspect of us to say, Man, when I think of everything that he's done for me, I can do that, and I want to do that. But then he turns around, and he has to say, and the second one is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, you just had to throw that one in there. Because you live in the same world I do. We watch the news, and I'm telling you, you're like me, I know this. I don't want to hear about another suicide bomber. I don't want to hear about another baby left in a dumpster. I don't want to hear about another... School superintendent that is looking to figure out where they're going to build the the Muslim prayer chapel while the Christian football coach was fired because he prayed after a game. I'm just tired of stuff like that. And when you pick that up all the time and when you watch that all the time, at some point in time, this is the temptation that comes my way. About then, I want to just kind of turn off my caring. I just don't want to care. Does that make sense? I don't want to care anymore. Turn off caring. And this is the temptation that comes my way. And all the while, I know, Jesus says, love your neighbor. But we're bombarded with this stuff. But I'm reminded from the text tonight that I'm never going to impact lives if I don't have faith that loves other people. Never. But I'm pretty good at coming up with excuses. You might be too. Because it's pretty easy for me to say something like this. My father-in-law, if you ever met him, he's a people person. Me? No, not a people person. So I think the whole thing about loving people, that's probably for people like Pastor Rick Wilder. And um, then there's me. And maybe I'm the exception to the rule. Loving people can be difficult for some. It seems maybe more difficult than others. And then there's guys out there and they say stuff like this. They say, oh, you know, if it was up for me, if it's just up to me, I'd just move my family out into the woods, out in the middle of nowhere, and we'd live off the land. I'm just different. No, you're not. That's what every single man in this whole room says. I've, I don't know how many times I've heard something like that. And then you think you're coming up with something new. If it's just up to me, I'd go live off the grid. Every guy says that, except for maybe five. Weird ones in here, but that's every <laughs> guy says something like that. And so we have these exceptions, and we figure that maybe that's just my personality, as if someday I stand before God on Judgment Day and say, You know, you made me this way. I wasn't a people person, and you knew it because you made me this way. And as God's going to say, Oh, yeah, forgot about that. <laughs> huh. I just remember, I've got memories grew up on a farm. My next door neighbor was my grandparents a quarter mile away. There's a farmer across the street from them and then after that, the next neighbor was about a mile away and uh, didn't really need people. I remember coming sometimes in off the farm if there's ever a, a rig in the driveway I didn't recognize or even if I did, I'd just go back out. <laughs> I don't know who it is, but they're probably not worth meeting. That's all I figured. <laughs> And this bleeds over into ministry. It so was my first one. I graduated here. I went to work uh, north of Seattle. Went on staff with Valley Baptist Church. Pastor Fairnell, if you're watching this, you've never heard this before. But one of the favorite things I liked doing there was baptisms. I got to the point time was, I was, um, um, what does it say? Where you're approved to do baptisms at the church. So anyway, you know, I was the I was the baptism guy. So we'd have our baptisms, and the best thing about that was that after we would baptize. Then I get to go back to the changing room and stay there. Because if anybody ever wondered, well, where's Brother Tim at? Oh, you know, he's probably doing that baptism thing. And I just stay there, stay there, stay there until I could hear no people. And then I'd come out, I'd go home, and my wife is sitting there wondering, where have you been? eventually she caught on. Every time we have a baptism, you're so late. But I knew that was something I needed to pray about. Man, I needed help to just love people. You know, God's helped me with that. But maybe tonight at this missions conference, you just need to come and say, God, help me love people. Because I turned my caring off some time ago. And I can come up with plenty of excuses, and yet when I come to the Bible, I'm realizing this. That if my life is going to be used to impact the life of somebody else, I need to have faith that will love God's way. A faith that impacts others is a faith that loves God's way. A faith that impacts others is a faith that sees beyond obstacles. Look at verse number four. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed in the sick of the palsy lay. Question for you true or false? God's will is always easy. True or false? False. Just in case you're wondering, some of you are scratching your head. False. And yet, isn't it crazy that when we go try to serve God, we're going to go do something, we step out by faith, and all of a sudden, when something goes wrong, the very first thought is often, What's going on? Something's wrong. And that's the exact opposite. When you live godly in Christ Jesus, you shall suffer tickle torture. No, the the Bible says persecution. And the crazy thing about it is it's almost like we expect when the Bible talks about spiritual warfare, somehow we interpret that as a spiritual pillow fight. I don't know how that happens. But somewhere along the way, what we should realize is that, you know, if I'm going to serve God, it's probably going to be hard. There's probably going to be difficulty. There's probably going to be pushback. And so here's these four guys. They're trying to get their crippled friend to Jesus. They want to see him healed. I don't know how long they traveled, but it probably was some time. It's not convenient. And I don't know. This is my own mind. So they're making their way, maybe over a hill. And all of a sudden, they finally get to the address and they see it. They crush the hill and they see it. And all of a sudden, their counts has been building. We're closer, we're closer, we're almost there. Google Maps says we're like a half mile away. Finally, boom, we're there. And there's so many people they can't even get in. And about that time, oh, I don't know what the conversation went like from there. But to me, I think it'd be funny. Should we just drop him here? Hopefully Jesus sees him when he leaves. (laughs) Nah, I think we should take him home. I mean, what would you be thinking if you're a guy in the stretcher? I think we ought to take him home. (laughs) Take him home? We're not going to take him home. What do you think we're going to do? I don't know. Let's tear the roof off. (laughs) Why not? I mean, the walls are covered with people. Let's try it. Look at you have got to have faith that sees beyond obstacles. If you and I are going to do anything for God, there's going to be obstacles. Of course there is. But by faith, see beyond them. So here's some guys, and they come up with some pretty interesting solutions. I don't. So they say, I don't know. This could be Peter's home. I don't know. Can't prove it. They can't either. But for imagination's sake, let's just say this is Peter's house. So here's Peter sitting in his house. Notepad out, taking notes, because this is good stuff. Jesus is letting those scribes have it. This is so good. I'm going to preach this one someday. Peter's taking notes, and all of a sudden, like a little bit of dust. That's good stuff. And pretty soon, thump, what? And then a bigger thump, what? And all of a sudden, Sun breaks through, and some guy's head, who he does not recognize, <laughs> pops in. Hey, guys, we're right over the top of them. Break it up. Let's let them down. What would you be thinking if you were Peter? This is nuts. This is my house. Who in the world's coming through my roof? Now, I know you probably like me, you read some commentaries. They say, you know, roofs at this time and in this place, they were made. Uh, that's just how they let grain into the house, and you remove the panels and you let the grain down. And I've always wondered why didn't they just take it through the front door like the rest of the groceries? <laughs> that was always my question. Yeah. Why was the <laughs> take the groceries in? and The I mean, kind of three, let's throw the roof up, throw the rice over the roof. Weird. I don't know how that works, but the Bible does say that they broke the roof open. So I just kind of think that's what they did. It wasn't their house. But they saw beyond obstacles. They had a faith that saw beyond obstacles. Remember the very first time? Do you remember the first time you tried to share the gospel? I'm not talking about like, hey, would you come to church with me? Hey, we're having a youth event. I want you to come. The very first time you tried to share the gospel with somebody. You remember that? Man, it was dumping rain in Seattle going to school up there after high school, dumping rain in Seattle, dark out. Pastor Farinella, he kept preaching about soul winning. I was a member there before I went back there on staff, kept preaching about soul winning, sharing the faith. And man, the Holy Spirit just resonates and saying this is true, you should do this. That's a great idea. Someone will get around to that someday. So I'm leaving, I'm with a friend of mine, at college, and we're walking through the rain together. And inside, it's like that, you know, that still small voice that's not so still and small sometimes is just thumping. Say something. Say something. Would you just open your mouth and say something? Say something. Finally, I just stop, and he stops, and I look at him. I go, I got to say something. <laughs> He's looking at me. He looked kind of concerned. And he's like, sure. He looks around. There's an overhang. We got it out of the rain. And he goes, what do you want to (sighs) say? I remember. I'd started going to church about a year before this. Yakima Bible Baptist Church, Pastor Dave Brown. And there's a track that they had. And it was called, um, I think it was called God's Simple Plan of Salvation. And it had a globe on it. Some of you remember that track. So I grabbed that track. I thought, well, this is kind of cool. I put it in my wallet. And every once in a while, I get out and like read it. I remember it was in my wallet so I get it out and I said this is what I want to say so I read a paragraph and said does this make sense he said yeah so I read another paragraph does that make sense he said yeah read another paragraph and I just went through the whole track like that about as awkward and weird as it gets get all done so that all made sense he goes yeah actually I've never really heard anything like that before I know it's super cool isn't it yeah actually it was yeah well it's what i wanted to say <laughs> and he goes thanks um should we go to the parking garage now yeah i guess let's go no so, that was it a month later though i did invite him to an event that we had and he came out and heard the gospel preached and that night he called on the lord to be Amen. saved Amen. there's a point in your life where god is going to call you to get outside of your comfort zone To say something that's uncomfortable, to do something that's uncomfortable, to do something where other people may give you a pushback on. But by faith, see beyond obstacles. Maybe tonight your prayer needs to be, God, help me love your way. Maybe you need to say, God, help me see beyond the obstacles. Maybe tonight you need to say, God, give me faith that's willing to pay the price. I know it costs these guys time. Somebody had to repair the roof. That's going to cost some money. There's always a price to be paid. Have you ever said to somebody, call me anytime? And they do. (laughs) Have you ever said to somebody, you can borrow my car? And they did. And now you don't remember what color it was. Here they are. They're living by faith. There's, there's really no easy way to get this crippled man to Jesus. There's not a metacopter. There's not an ambulance. And so here's four men. Some may be tall. One of them may be short. One of them may be athletic. One of them not so much so. But here they are walking over a hill, walking down the road. And so the tall guys with the longer legs, they got to shorten their strides up. And the short guys with the short legs, they got to try to stride some more. And you're carrying maybe 40 pounds each, 40, 50 pounds each. And you got to lug this guy all the way over to try to see Jesus. That's not an easy task. But they were willing to pay this price. And maybe some of the time, maybe why we don't see faith that impacts the life of others, maybe it's because we're, we're just not willing to pay the price. Yeah, I know the Bible talks about missions. Well, that's not the question. The question is, do you support missions? You know, you, go, you think about this. I called on the Lord when I was about 10 years old at a campground at the foothills of Mount Rainier. And it was a, a camp that I didn't pay for, sitting on a chair that I didn't pay for, listen to a preacher preach from a pulpit that I didn't pay for. The light bill never paid that either. Everything about me hearing the gospel was something I didn't pay for. Somebody else did. Listen, somebody else paid that cost so that I could hear the gospel. Every one of your testimonies is going to be the same. There's somebody who didn't pay the gas or you didn't pay the gas, somebody else paid the gas right. to get you to church. Maybe it was on the bus. And you sat in a, a pew that you didn't pay for and the electricity shone down so you could see the preacher and it was mic'd and there was a, a sound man so that he could, you could hear the word of God preach. You didn't pay for that. That's right. yeah. Faith that impacts others is willing to pay the price. I just heard, I, this, is a, this just sticks with me. It was about a week ago. This story was relayed to me. There's a pastor out in the Northwest who had ministry for, for a little bit down in Florida. And uh, he was going out calling on all the bus kids on his route. And this, this man, he, he, he comes to a door and there's a family there, man, they really expressed that they'd like to go to church. But the mom said, I don't think it's gonna go happen though because my kids don't have clothes. So he asked this, he, he asked, if I bought clothes for your five kids, would, would they come? And she goes, oh, you don't have to do that. He said, well, I'd like to do that. I'd like to do that. She goes, you would? Yeah, I'd like to do that. He went shopping for five kids, him and his wife. They went to a thrift store. Went shopping for the kids, brought the clothes back, dropped them off. And I was happy, excited. If we're going to be back tomorrow, we'll pick you up for church. All right. So bus rolls in um, at their house, knocks on the door. And guess who was not ready? It was five kids. And the mom answered the door, and she goes, I'm super sorry. After you left, I didn't know how to say this, but they actually need shoes. My kids don't have shoes. They literally had no shoes. They were barefoot. And he says, look, you don't know my church. Your kids come in with bare feet. My church will love them. love them just like they are. They'll be loved. Just let them come. We'd love to have them. Bare feet, it doesn't matter. And the mom says, I know I can, I, I, you're a nice guy. It seems like they'd be loved, but man, they would be so embarrassed. They'd be the only people without shoes. Brother Rick says, if I took my shoes and socks off, and they come to church with me, I won't be the they won't be the only ones without shoes. I won't wear shoes. You think that'd be okay? And the mom says, You'd do that? I'd do that. Sometimes our faith doesn't touch people because we're not willing to pay a price. These four men brought their crippled friend to Jesus. Jesus saw their faith and touched him. Sometimes, maybe some of you tonight need to be able to say, God, help me to love your way. Maybe tonight, by faith, you need to say, God, help me see beyond the obstacles because that's all I see. Maybe tonight, you need to be able to say, God, I'm willing to pay the price, whatever it takes to see my grandfather come to Christ. God, I'm willing. Whatever it takes to see my son hear the gospel, whatever it takes. The last thing that I want to show you from this text, this is, I love this. A faith that impacts others, listen, a faith that impacts others is a team working faith a team faith. Verse number three says he was born of four. He's carried by four. One man had said this, faith alone saves, but faith that saves is not alone. In other words, you're not saved by your good works, but once you're saved, you will do good works. Faith always works. I don't know about that. Sure. Hebrews 11, verse number one, faith is what? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is substance and evidence. I can see your faith. I can see your faith. Faith is substance and evidence of those unseen things of God. So faith always works. So when Jesus looks at Southwest Baptist Church and he looks at you as an individual, what does he see? Does he see your faith? Come Sunday, when it's Commitment Sunday and you turn in your commitment card, will he be able to see your faith? <laughs> when it comes to soul winning and outreach, it's always a team working faith. There's a man back home in Shehalis, Washington. He got right with God because he had a sister that had been praying for him for 20 years. had been praying for him to get his heart right with God. She was praying and anticipating She had done a little homework and she knew that Centralia Bible Baptist Church was about 30 miles away from his house. And so she had wrote wrote Centralia Bible Baptist Church, um, 802 South Gold Street, Centralia, Washington, had that on a card, handwritten, ready to go. And her her brother comes down to visit every so often. And one day, just kind of out of the blue, he says, you know, I've been thinking about going to church again. She had a card ready to go. He took it and he goes, you think I ought to go here? She said, yeah, I think you ought to go to that one. He puts it in his pocket. Two weeks pass. He never shows up. I didn't know this was a thing, but he sells duck eggs online. I didn't know he could do that. He sells duck eggs, but apparently people are allergic to chicken eggs, but you can eat duck eggs. So a family needed duck eggs. They set up an appointment to meet him. He sold them the duck eggs. And when they were leaving, they turned around and said, hey, Christmas service at Centralia Bible Baptist Church is coming up. We want to give you an invitation. So he takes his track and think, man, this church is everywhere. This is huge. I better go to this place. This is what he told me later. This is what I was thinking. This place must be big. Yeah. So he shows up on a Wednesday night. and I think all eight of us were there to say hello. <laughs> <clears throat> shows up on a Wednesday and sits down. But man, he got his right, heart right with God. He wanted to rededicate his life to the Lord, and he wanted to get baptized to just kind of draw a line in the sand and say, I'm going to live for Christ from now on. He invited his whole family, and they all showed up. But there was a sister who had prayed for 20 years. There was a soul winner at Centralia Bible Baptist Church who went to go buy duck eggs and remembered to take a gospel track. How about that? A team working faith. Team working faith. Huh. When we went to Centralia, we were sent. I was sent out of the Olympia Bible Baptist Church, but there was supporting churches. Southwest Baptist Church was a supporting church. Wooden Valley Baptist Church, a supporting church. Sock Trail Baptist, a supporting church when we got started there 12 years ago. Why that matters and what I want to bring up tonight is, is, is this, the Bible tells us that in Philippians, when Paul wrote to a supporting church, not a sending church, he wrote to the Philippian church and he said this, that he thanked them for the gift that he said he, that they sent, not because he desired a gift, but he says, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. To the church at Philippi, uh, that fruit may abound to your account. So, <clears throat> let me just tell you this, the very first soul that we ever saw come to, come to Christ in Centralia, lady and Catherine, I was coming back. I was actually living in Seattle at the time. I was going back home to Seattle, and the phone rang, and a, a lady named Marianne was on the phone, and she said, "Hey, my mother-in-law's in the hospital. Would you be able to go and visit her?" I said, "Sure." Is it urgent? Like you want me to go back and see her tomorrow? Is she going to be okay till the weekend? She goes, "Oh, she'll be all fine till the weekend. But when you get back um, on Saturday, maybe you could go visit." I said, "Sure, I'd be happy to." So I went through the week and I would go back down on Saturday and Sunday. And we do outreach on Saturday. We hold church services on Sunday. So I go back down on Saturday and my father-in-law was with with me. We went out door knocking and talked to people. And now it's time to go make that hospital visit. So I'd never been to the Centrelli Hospital before. Walked in through the, the doors. I've been there maybe a month. Walked in through the doors and went to the receptionist counter and said I need to find room like 125. So they gave me directions. I finally make it to room 225. And this is where it gets weird. I'd never been to a hospital room like this. Came in through the door and there's like a dresser there, but it's, a, it's not a hospital dresser. It's like a bedroom dresser, a wooden one of like pull knobs. It's not institutional. It's like kind of homey. And then there's framed pictures on the, on the dresser. Strange. There's framed pictures on the wall. There's a Mariner poster above the bed. I mean, this is just strange. I mean, she's been here a week and they like just moved in. This is Weird. And I look at my father, and I go, this is kind of weird. He goes, yeah, they just do it different here in Centralia, I guess. I go, man, I guess so. So I go to the bed. I kneel down. I grab Catherine's hand. She opens her eyes, and I said, hello. I introduce myself. And um, we got to talking, and I said, you must be a Mariners fan, huh? She goes, yeah. And we start talking about Ichiro. Ichiro was playing back then. And I go, who's those? That, is that you in the picture over there? There's a husband and a wife in military uniform and... <laughs> She said, yeah, that's me and my husband. We were married in the military. And uh, she goes, funny thing is, we were married for 15 years, and we got a divorce for seven years. I didn't marry anybody. He didn't marry anybody. But after seven years, we got remarried again. And so she went on. She's just talking about life. And I said, did you ever go to church when you're growing up? She said, yeah, I went to a Catholic church. Did anybody from the Catholic church ever show you how you could get to heaven? She said, no. Can I show you how you could get to heaven? She said, sure. So I did. So went through the gospel with her, and she understood she was a sinner. She understood Jesus is the Savior. And I get to the end, and I said, is there anything stopping you from just right now calling on Christ to be your Savior? She said, no. And I thought, that's way too easy. So I backed up, and I went through the plan of salvation again. Made sure I said everything I'm supposed to say, and she understood. Yeah, she knew what sin was, and she knew that she had sinned. Yes, yeah, she has broken God's law. She's guilty, and if God were to judge you today, you go to heaven or hell, man, I'm going to hell. Well, uh, what did God do about that? And, you know, so we, she, she understood that. I got to the end. I said, Is there anything stopping you right now just calling on Jesus to be your Savior? She said, No. Pff, way too easy. So I back up again. This time I gave her a pop quiz. <laughs> so if you died today, where would you go? I'd, I think I'd be on my way to hell. You would? How come? Because I've sinned. I've sinned against God. And, wow. What can you do about that? Nothing. Well, what hope do you have? Well, you said that Jesus died. I mean, it was this clear. This is the dialogue that we're having. So I get to the end. Is there anything stopping you from calling on Jesus Christ to be your Savior today? If, well, you, if you just let me pray, you know. So she prays. She calls on the Lord to be saved. We say some more things. I give her some verses of assurance, and we say her goodbyes, and I'm out the door. I get into the car, and I call the daughter-in-law who had called me a week before. I said, Marianna, I'm at the hospital to see your mother-in-law. Boom, she cuts me off. She says, Pastor Tim, don't expect too much. She hasn't spoken to anybody for months. She's in some sort of a coma. And she doesn't talk. I'm just hoping that you can maybe get in there and pray. And I held up the card. And I thought to myself, oh, man, I went to the wrong room. I led the wrong person <laughs> to the Lord. And I'm, I'm looking at the card. And I got the phone. I said, I'm supposed to see Catherine, room 125? She said, yeah. Yeah. Ichiro's, her favorite Mariner player. Yeah. She was married for 15 years, divorced for seven, got remarried. Marianne said, how would you know that? That's a family secret. (laughs) I didn't know she wasn't supposed to talk. (laughs) I just thought this was like a normal, well, turns out she didn't give me all the details. There's actually a wing of the hospital that was a nursing home. But as the nursing home um, residents would pass away, they converted it to a hospital room. She was the last one. She hadn't talked for months. She never talked again. She died a month later. And they asked me to do the funeral. Southwest Baptist. That was in 2010. If you were supporting missions through this church, Catherine is fruit that abounds to your account. It's incredible at the funeral they had warned me the atheist son is supposed to show up this is so cool I love talking to atheists they introduced me he didn't say a whole lot he took his spot and for the funeral service all I did I shared that story and of course I, I went into great detail of what the gospel was that I shared with Catherine that day afterwards The atheist son approaches me, and this was his words. If anybody listens to what you had to say and says there is no God, they got to be a fool. And he walked out. Fruit. Fruit that abounds to your account. About a month and a half ago, I led another atheist to the Lord over coffee that happened because there's a crazy guy in our church who just loves Jesus. His name's Jerry. He got so good at making these little contraptions. They said, we want you to name your project. What's your project gonna be called? And he says, Pastor Tim, I knew it. I said, my project's gonna be called Salty Donkey. (laughs) And so the the manager, they're like, what do you mean, Salty Donkey? What's that supposed to mean? And so he goes into this whole discourse about Lot's wife and how she eventually she disobeys God and at the end of her life God turns her into a pillar of salt and you know she was turned into what she should have been her whole life she should have been salt and I want to be salt and then there's this one day when Jesus comes comes into Jerusalem and he's riding on a donkey and I just want to be a donkey carrying Jesus salty donkey and so the managers are listening to him tell the story and they say okay salty donkey it is To this day, Rogers Machinery has a project that's being launched right now in Centralia, Washington. Salty donkey. (laughs) Salty donkey. One of the managers there to hear that was an an atheist who'd been making fun of Jerry. Making fun of, Jerry doesn't care. You make fun of the guy all you want. He doesn't care. He got himself in a little bit of trouble and he asked Jerry if he'd go ahead and be a sponsor for an AA meeting. Jerry says this, I'll be your sponsor, but you got to come to church with me one time. He came one time. He came back the next time. He came back a third time. I think in the last few months, I don't think he's missed maybe more than two or three times. About a month and a half ago, I took him out to coffee and I led him to the Lord. Now, I got to be a part of that story. Jerry got to be a part of that story. But for everybody who's ever invested in and given towards missions through Southwest Baptist Church, it's fruit that abounds to your account. I got four helpers right here. In the, in the, actually I think five because I didn't want to leave one of you out so I'm gonna close with this here's <clears throat> we're gonna pretend there's a crippled man on here because I don't think one of you want to act like the crippled man do you you, under- oh, you do <laughs> serious okay we'll see how this goes okay lay down and we'll see if the other guys can pick you up uh, you got insurance okay go ahead and grab a corner now Can you actually pick him up? Okay. Okay, go ahead and set him down. Nicely. Nicely. Now, for illustration's sake, let me just say this. Okay? Here we go. We have a young man. What's your name? Marshall. Marshall. Okay. You're going to be a sending pastor. Okay? That's you. All right? And what's your name? Lane. Lane. Okay, You're you're going to be a missionary. Okay? All right. Over here? Seth. Seth. Seth is a member at Southwest Baptist Church and he gives to missions, okay? And what's your name? Achilles. Achilles? Yeah. Okay. Achilles, he is a member at, at uh, see, Centralia Bible Baptist Church, and he prays for missionaries. How's this crippled man going to get to Jesus? How's this soul going to get to Jesus? Go ahead, pick him up. <laughs> That's how it's going to work. Look, a faith that touches the lives of other people is a team working faith. But watch this. What happens when somebody stops praying? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Achilles, go and drop them. Let go. There you go. <laughs> well, we got this guy trying to pitch in there. <laughs> Lane, you got it? Gonna, it's a little harder, but let's pretend. Let's just, hey, uh, let's pretend you stopped giving. This is looking kind of bad. We got a missionary, we got a sending pastor. They're still, I mean, they're trying. I don't think he's going to make it. Let's say, let's say the missionary. Missionary, time's up, man. You just, this is too discouraging. We got a sending pastor now, struggling. He's really trying. Okay, sending pastor. Good job. I think you guys made the point. Okay. Every one of you in this missions conference, it's your invitation to come grab your corner. Every single one of us, grab your corner. Gentlemen, you can go ahead and have a seat. God's calling every single one of you. Tonight, in this conference, you come grab your corner. That's what God wants you to do tonight. God, I turned my caring off some time ago. Tonight, help me love your way. God, all I see is obstacles. I know what you're calling me to do, but man, I I just see obstacles. Tonight, God, I commit to you this. Help me to have faith that sees beyond the obstacles. God, I come up with excuses all the time. And I understand when it comes to serving you, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some money. It's going to take some effort. But it will be worth it. God, help me to pay the price. Lord, I've been part of Southwest Baptist Church for some time. And I'm glad that they give. But tonight, I'm picking up my corner. And I'm going to do do my part. Because a faith that impacts others is always going to be a team working faith. Father, I just want to come to you in prayer tonight. And I would just ask... As you see fit, the message that was spoken, as you would inspire and impress upon hearts tonight, God, help every person to see that they've got a part in a corner, to pick it up, to be faithful, to be able to see a a lost loved one, maybe a mom that needs to be saved, maybe a grandfather that needs to be saved, and instead of seeing excuses, God, help us live by faith. And however you see fit to take this message and apply it, God, I pray that you would be pleased, that you would be honored, and that we would just simply respond as you would see fit. So God, please take this invitation now and use it as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen.